and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edeman. Coming up on the show, a couple of things I'd like to try to get to. We will see how far we get, but the umbrella issue or the main topic theme would be, or for you English majors, the thesis statement would be our character, what's on our heart, what's inside of us, and how it affects things around us. And in particular, some of the things that we're going to talk about. So let's take a look at it. But we got to start off with the elephant in the room. Budweiser. Need I say more? If you don't know what I'm talking about, where have you been? It's all over social media. And in fact, if it wasn't for social media, I probably would not have even heard about this and the aftermath of it, really. And the question you have to ask is, what were they thinking? Not even from a political perspective. Let's throw that out. Let's look at it from a marketing perspective. In case you don't know, some trans dude that is apparently some person on Insta, uh, social media, TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that, becomes the face of Bud Light. Apparently, it was an ad campaign for the NCAA tournament March Madness because this person comes out dressed as uh, Audrey Hepburn in that uh, black dress, hair up, breakfast at Tiffany's, which is problematic to start with because I'm not sure how many people, especially guys, and let's face it, beer drinking is a guy thing. Yes, women, I know, I know you drink, but not to the extent on a whole, gender-wise, as guys. Because you got to watch your figure, so White Claw Truly, Michelob Light, stuff like that. Rum and Diet, Coke. Okay, we get it. But so you have this person dressed up as uh, Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. 1961, so 62 years ago, maybe? Okay. So, you're catering this advertising campaign for one of the biggest male sporting events. Then, you're catering to something that is mostly guys. Again, I know women drink beer too, but not to the extent. Then... You have somebody who, by their own admission on the ad, doesn't know anything about March Madness. So, again, you've got this issue going on. So, from a marketing perspective, I'd love to be in that meeting and watch this person have a presentation. So, to celebrate March Madness, one of the biggest male sporting events of the year, you get a trans dude who is celebrating day 365 of womanhood, some spokesperson who does not know anything about the sport or the tournament or anything of that nature, dress up as uh, Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast at Tiffany's, 1961. You drop this person into a bubble bath, and then you let him kind of prance around a la The Little Mermaid in the suds of the bubble bath, drinking beer, and not even drinking beer, kind of sipping it. Now, what about any of this speaks to a guy? Probably nothing. The only thing that would have appealed to a guy from a guy's perspective 
And in this day and age, as a guy, can I even have a perspective as a guy? Because I don't know what it means to be a guy, even though I am one, right? That's the, the mentality of the day. But again, the only thing that would have spoken to a guy is if you had put somebody in a bikini and do that same thing. But no, you got some dude who I don't even know if it's a trans dude or if it's a dude that dresses as a guy because I know nothing about this guy, nor did I really care to look it up. But if Budweiser wanted to do it right, so forget about the politics and all that stuff, the messaging, they just got wrong. How do I know? And why can I say that confidently? Well, first off, the stock went down. No matter how much it went down, it's kind of irrelevant, but it did go down. That tells you one thing. The backlash is unbelievable on social media. I mean, unbelievable. I've never been inundated with an algorithm that has sent me so many videos with one genre, and that is anti-Budweiser, people boycotting Budweiser. I mean, you had Kid Rock blowing up Budweiser with a gun. People pouring it down the drain, all kinds of stuff. The backlash has been huge, huge, huge. Anyway, so if I, the marketing genius that I am, would have done this exact same thing with this exact same dude, or woman, whatever, this is how I would have done it to appeal to the dude. And on top of it, I guess I must mention that they are creating trans cans, like rainbow colors. They put this dude's face on the can. So again, it's more than just a commercial. It's like an ongoing thing. But here, the marketing genius that I am, this is how I would have done it with the same dude, same I guess if you want to call it wokeness, this is how I would have done it. First off, you don't put the dude in a Hepburn dress for breakfast at Tiffany's. Guys, haven't watched it. I'm very cosmopolitan, very educated, so obviously I've seen it. But, and again, if you want to, uh, at least in the olden days, in the classical days of our country, if you wanted to talk to the ladies, you had to culture become culturized and culture yourself. Talk about things that they like. And no, I'll never watch The Notebook. Nor the Titanic. Because there was enough room for two people on that thing that she floated on. But anyway, so first off, I would have done this. Dress the dude up as Daisy Duke. Catherine Bach, Dukes of Hazard, Jessica Simpson, Dukes of Hazard. Put some Daisy Dukes on that person. Don't put him in a bubble bath. Drop him in a mud wrestling ring or mud wrestling pit. Instead of splashing around in some bubbles, have him wrestle a good-looking gal. And then upon winning, shower this person in Budweiser, in Bud Light, a la winning the national championship, champagne showers, wet t-shirt contest, whatever. Now that would speak guy language. That's the love language of guys. But what you did is you took a drink that is primarily focused on guys. And again, I know women drink. And I know women drink different brands of Anheuser-Busch beer. But again, you're catering to men and the male demographic, and you completely feminize it. And then you throw in the wokeness on top of it. I've seen biker dudes on social media, commenting about not drinking Bud Light anymore, switching mainly to Coors Light. 
Are you telling me that a biker dude knows breakfast at Tiffany's? Probably not. Are you telling me that a biker dude is going to have anything to do with this weakling of a guy that is now, I guess, a woman? No. So again, as a marketing perspective, and I know you're sitting there and looking at me through these political lenses, your eyes, and saying, how can he? You got to look at it from a money perspective, marketing perspective, and you'll see that what they did wasn't going to work. Daisy Dukes, mud wrestling, beer showers, that is what would have softened the wokeness of this whole thing. Pretty sure this, in years to come, much as a lot of things in our country, history will look upon this as like a buffoon move, boneheaded. Should have done it. So again, social media, the blowback, packed with anti-Budweiser videos, people dropping Bud, dropping it like it's hot, Switching to Coors and other beers. Now, you got to keep in mind, there's many, many beers out there, right? But they're only controlled by about five companies, minus a couple independents and your local craft breweries, okay? The Anheuser-Busch, obviously, is the big one, Budweiser. You've got the Molson Coors Company, which is Coors, Miller Beers, like Miller Lite, Miller Genuine Draft, uh, Blue Moon, Leinen Kugel, and then there's some others in there. Heineken is another company, one of the big five. They have Heineken, Dos Equis, Tecate. What is this? Uh, Luganitas. And then the Amstel, Amstel Light. A company by the name of Diago has uh, Guinness and Harp. Harp's actually a good beer. And then Carlsberg. Now, some other independents that are kind of some national uh, known brands could be PBR. Hams, Old Milwaukee, and then there's this independent one, Yearling, which I guess is one of the oldest American independent breweries. Everything else is Anheuser-Busch. So if you're really wanting to boycott Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, Corona, Modella, Stella, Shock Top, Rolling Rock. By the way, does anybody even drink Rolling Rock these days? I mean, that should have went out with Zima. Uh, Peroni which is actually a decent beer. Estrella Jalisco, which I like. Pacifico, Ho Garden, Lowenbrow. Is that even still around? Lowenbrow? Foster's, and then the Michelob's. That's all Anheuser-Busch. So I saw people, you know, say, I'm switching to Michelob. Well, you're still buying Anheuser-Busch. All the south of the border beers. I didn't even know that. I thought that south of the border. And and this is the tricky thing. Over the years, you did have these breweries, and they still independently kind of brew their own beer. And then Anheuser-Busch kind of becomes the distributor. But then after buyouts and buyouts and mergers and buyouts, you now have these conglomerates of about five brewing companies that oversee the entire kind of major beer market. So if you truly, truly want to be safe and avoid anything Anheuser-Busch, if it's brewed in Milwaukee, you're probably okay. If it comes from overseas, it's a good chance it's okay. And again, the Molson Coors Company, you've got, you know, Coors, Coors Light, that type of thing. You've got the Miller, Miller Light, Miller Genuine Draft, Blue Moon, and then there's some others in there. So you could just look it up online if you wanted to. But so again, how 
Will this impact or this boycott, I should say, impact Anheuser-Busch? We'll see. Does it continue? We'll see. I personally, like Bud Light, Budweiser, I don't even know anybody who drinks Budweiser, to be honest with you. But uh, the Bud Light, the Bush Light, Coors Light, those tend to seem to be the go-to when you're out drinking and you don't like what's on tap. You know, sometimes you have limited selection on tap, but everybody always carries Coors Light or Bud Light. So that's like the default beverage, which some people have been mocking as uh, it's water pretending to be like beer, much like this guy's pretending to be a woman. So a lot of correlations like that. So, yeah, it's a very low beer, not a good, not a lot of taste. But, you know, if it's necessary to have a beer, then maybe you knock it down. Uh, it's not the, something I keep in my refrigerator. I've had it in my refrigerator, but I don't keep it in my refrigerator. There's other things I prefer by far. In fact, a uh, good uh, PBR, good hams, like the bitter beer. See, and my beer is a lifestyle. What do I mean by that is like PBR hams reminds me of a time when I'd go to this place in uh, when I was living in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, and you'd have bitter beer night. And you get a can for 25 cents. Get silly for 250 in fact, you probably pass out for two fifty, and then you have like other areas that uh, other beers that might um, remind you of a certain time, a place. You know, um, those Japanese beer, Kuren Ichiban, which is Anheuser Busch Japanese, or um, which reminds me of the beach because I used to take that to the beach and drink it on the beach, or um, Asahi, another Japanese beer, one of the first beers when I turned twenty one, someone purchased for me was Asahi beer. Um, and so again, as you drink beer in my world, it has a purpose. There's a, there's a purpose to drinking it. It doesn't just have, oh, I'm just going to drink it for the case, for the sake of drinking it. There's a purpose behind it. Uh, <clears throat> been, uh, was introduced to like Carlsberg and harp and some of those overseas, overseas beers, uh, through acquaintances online, introducing me to them. And so again, and then a couple years ago, back during the pandemic, I would do this thing called Sunday night brew where I basically showcase a beer and put it on social media because it gave me something to do and it was fun and you learn a lot. Thus the five brewing companies and then the different types of beer, where they're from, how they were originated and things like that. For example, Milwaukee. If you think of Milwaukee, besides the brewers and it being extremely cold in Wisconsin and maybe some cheese, you might realize or know that Milwaukee is a beer city, city of beer, right? Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Miller Lite or the Miller High Life, uh, PBR, Pabst Brewing Company. You have uh, Schlitz. Do they even make Schlitz malt liquor anymore? But anyways, that all originates out of Milwaukee. And then other beer, beers and breweries come from Milwaukee. The reason that Milwaukee became such a prominent beer city is because of the great fire of Chicago in 1871. It pretty much destroyed the city and Chicago obviously was the center, right? An epicenter for major business in the country. Well, when the great five Chicago went through and pretty much destroyed Chicago, they had to look these breweries and these beer people had to look for a place to go so they can keep pumping out beer. And since Milwaukee was close just to the North and they already had a presence of beer. Everybody went to Milwaukee, and so Milwaukee became your city of beer. A lot of breweries there, or at least came from there back in the olden days. And to think about it, happy days, or not even happy days, Laverne and Shirley, they worked. Schatz Brewery, 
They lived in Milwaukee. Just think that could have been based out of Chicago, if not for the great fire of Chicago in 1871. Happy days, same thing. So again, the great fire of Chicago affecting the history of beer. So anyways, what does this all mean? Well, if you are true to your boycott of Anheuser-Busch, you got to drink beer that comes from Milwaukee or some other place, maybe overseas. But as more and more people in this world, through advertising, through acceptance or whatever, and this is now we get into the point of it, okay? What I want to talk about. As more and more people become pro-trans, uh, pro-drag queens, you've got legislation being pushed all across the country, just like abortion, about whether or not drag shows should be for kids, whether or not kids should be exposed to trans ideology. Should we have puberty blockers? Should we have child, well, they call it gender-affirming surgeries, but it's really child mutilations. Now, if you're an adult, that's a different story. Okay, we're talking about kids. People become militant in their beliefs. They push back when people disagree. But yet those that are, let's say, for lack of a better term, not in favor of, I was going to say anti, but anti is really not a good word, not in favor of trans ideology and LGBT pushed on kids, they're not so violent. They're more passive in their resistance. They go to the polls. They try to get legislation passed, but they're not really aggressive, okay? But the question that I saw that was kind of interesting that came out of all this is, okay, you're trying to ban drag queen story hours and stuff like that. And the question was always, why are kids going to this? But then I saw the question posed, why are drag queens seeking out and desiring an audience in front of young kids? Interesting question. And so that's something that you have to look at. And why do people, or why are people opposed to people pushing back on kids and the effort to try to get kids to take harming drugs such as puberty blockers, child mutilation surgeries, as I like to call them because that's what they are, otherwise known as gen, uh, gender-affirming care. And I ask this, that what's the reason beyond the money? We've discussed in previous podcasts, it's a billion-dollar industry. It's going to be a multi-billion-dollar industry to the tunes of tens of billions of dollars by the year 2035. You have a Covenant school shooting that involved a trans shooter killing six, three kids, three adults. Yet the school and their religious belief was the criminal element, not the shooter. The shooter was the victim. The three nine-year-olds, according to some, and it's been this blatant, they deserve death because they went to a school that opposed trans ideology. Well, did the school really oppose trans ideology or did they have a religious belief in something else? That didn't include that. It's a difference. You might not think it is, but it is. Religious freedoms, freedom of religion is no longer allowed in our country. Have you noticed that? During the pandemic, they had to shut down. John MacArthur's church was attacked, fined, threatened, property taken that was used for many decades for parking, taken back by the city. So if you're opposed to this ideology of trans and LGBT, then you're the evil one, despite your religious belief systems. And we've had that conversation a couple podcasts ago. I told you about a conversation moving into Ramadan and, and uh, the Easter season about myself, another person that I was Catholic, two other people that were um, 
Muslim talking about Ramadan and we had this religious conversation and we understood each other and we asked questions and it wasn't a holy war. It was a question of understanding. But then on the flip side too, we're always told about trust the science, trust the science. Well, here is somebody, Dr. Michelle Cretella, an MD that has some interesting things to say about the science of transgender and LGBT ideology. Essentially, transgender ideology holds that people can be born into the wrong body. It's simply not true. Human sexuality is binary. Okay, we know this because in nature, reproduction is the rule. And human beings, uh, we engage in sexual reproduction. You need a man and a woman to do that. Women are XX. Those are the sex chromosomes. Women have two XXs. Men have an X and a Y. Those are genetic markers. They're genetic markers for female and male, respectively. Okay, binary. That's the rule, and it's self-evident. Transgender, someone who identifies as transgender, however, that's not a problem in their body. Gender identity, all identities, they're in our thoughts. Thoughts and feelings, those are not hardwired. They develop, and they may be factually wrong or factually correct. Uh, the definition of a delusion is a fixed false belief. So if I persistently, consistently insist that I am Margaret Thatcher, or persistently, consistently insist that I am a cat, or uh, I'm an amputee trapped in a normal body, I am delusional. And in fact, there are people who believe they are amputees trapped in a normal body. They are appropriately diagnosed as having body identity integrity disorder. If you want to cut off an arm or a leg, you're mentally ill. But if, but if you want to cut off healthy, healthy breasts and genitals, oh, then you're transgender and you don't have a mental illness. Individuals with disorders of sex development are being used as pawns in the fight for um, basically a civil right to a mental illness. There's no such thing as a civil right to a mental illness, but that is in fact what we are dealing with, with the transgender rights movement. Some pretty interesting comments there, whether you agree or not. Well, we're supposed to believe the science, and according to a medical doctor and science, you have XX chromosome, which is women, XY chromosome, which is men. Those are the genetic markers, the science that creates who you are goes on to say gender identity is mental it's not science it's not biological you're identifying as something just the other day i saw a clip of somebody identifying as a red hawk and was like hawks crow it was like crowing like a hawk and saying that this person was about to become extinct is that okay or is that not a delusion, a fixed false belief that you think you're a hawk when clearly to the person with logic and common sense, you're a person that's delusional. So if gender identity is mental, okay, you identify as an amputee, you want to cut off a limb, amputate a limb so you can identify with that amputee. People think that it's a mental illness. But if you're going to cut off other body parts, 
genitals, breasts, then you're transgendered, and that's okay. So what's the difference between cutting off an arm to identify with something, and that's mental illness, and another appendage, and that's not mental illness? You can't have it both ways. It's hypocritical for one, and two, it's the exact same thing. Sex development disorder, like she says, pawns in a political game, just like our kids. Our kids are pawns. I've been saying that for a while now, in a political game. When it comes down to it, if you take away the money and you take away the political power that politicians and people get from pushing this, they don't care. They don't care about you. Because if they did, not only would they be there when they push you into it, but they wouldn't demonize you when you decide to detransition back to your original gender. And you can go online to any video hosting site and they will have many videos, at least you can probably still find some, of people that were praised for being transgendered and going down that road, but then realized, whoa, what am I doing? Detransition, and now the same people that praise them are now vilifying them. Why? Because you're going against an ideology. No civil right or no civil rights for mental illness. So that is kind of what it's like in a political game, right? But what about other things? What about religious beliefs? We talked about the Covenant school shooting. You talked about mental illness, delusions. What about religion? If you believe that you were born in the wrong body, then do you believe that God created you wrong? I guess that's something you have to reconcile with yourself. But most people that have a faith in God, and we'll take a look at it in a moment, they don't believe God makes mistakes. So then if you think the mistake was made and you think you can fix it by the decisions that you make, then you yourself have just given yourself the title of a God. And the worship of self becomes a God, a religion. And now you're pushing others to accept your religious ideology above and beyond your trans ideology because yourself has become the God and your transition has become the religion and you do this through violence and other toxic means. Let's take a look at it for a minute. So the foundations of a belief system. Every single, pretty much every single religion has a foundation of a belief system, something they believe in. It's been around for a long time. It's established in the written word, in customs and traditions. Buddhism might be the most liberal of them all. But even Buddhism, which calls you to question pretty much everything and make you uh, not want to believe in everything as absolute, still has core tenets of faith. Obviously, Christianity of the Bible, which includes the words of Jesus. And you have the Ten Commandments. You don't have to subscribe to Christianity, but that's how you can see or find out what they believe, right? The Bible, words of Jesus, Ten Commandments. Muslims, what do they believe? Well, let's just start with the five pillars of Islam. You have to have a declaration of faith. You have to have your prayer, which I found out is at least five times a day. Almsgiving or charity, Christianity is tithing. So again, there's some charity in it. Fasting for the Muslims, five pillars of Islam, and a pilgrimage to Mecca. So again, there's a belief system. 
Plus, you've got the Quran, another written work that you could read to find out more. So the Bible, the Quran, the Ten Commandments, the Five Pillars of Islam, Jesus, Muhammad. Very different theological beliefs, but yet very similar. And if you want to search what they mean, there they are. Uh, the Jewish religion, they got the Torah, another written body of work. Actually coincides with the, was it the first uh, five books of the Bible written by Moses? But you got the Torah, and then you got 13 principles that you follow. Hindu, you've got the four goals of human life, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moshe. I know there's other gods there too. They've got many gods, but again, you've got something tangible that can express what you believe in if you are Hindu. And like I said, Buddhism, you've got four noble truths, suffering, cause of suffering, end of suffering, and suffering. So again, every religion has an entity or something where you can go and find out specifically what it is that they believe. It's not made up. It's not made up day to day. It might change over time. But the core tenets of what that religion, not the people that practice them, but the religion, that's what you're going to believe. So if religion is a core belief and there's a system that's to be followed, if you're looking at this day and age, like this doctor said, transgendered people becoming a political pawn, kids becoming a political pawn, people are becoming pawns. But if you have this race, this LGBT, this trans politics, this ideology, there is no core belief system. Racism used to have a core belief system. If you're white and you hate a black person or any other person for that matter, racism. If you're derogatory or negative towards another person of another color, racism. Now it's like you don't believe what I say, you're racist, you're white supremacist. There's no foundation in your ideology. You're just making stuff up at this point. So race, LGBT, trans, politics, and there's others, but there's no core belief in these systems. There's no principles, no pillars, no commandments for people to believe in. But yes, it's become a religion. A religion of make sure it gets to happen your way and the way you want it to be. And if not, let's push back violently. It's my way or the highway mentality, really. Race has changed from everyone's a racist, a neo-Nazi, a white supremacist, if you disagree with their ideology, for one. And it changes, it changes. And then, of course, if, let's say, I'm accusing somebody in my liberal mindset of being a racist, and then somebody else who is liberal does the same thing, well, that's not racist because I can change my mind, just make it up, whatever I want. So if a person calls out the liberal George Soros for funding these very liberal district attorneys that are supposed to be enforcing crime, but they're not, and you call them out, well, now you're a Jewish-hating bigot. Make things up as we go. If a person of faith has to try to, you know, most of the time a person of faith is going to witness or try to share their faith, their belief system, you can point them to any amounts of information. That includes Mormonism. That includes Jehovah's Witness, Scientology. I mean, everybody has a written expression of some sort of what they believe. Not with trans, LGBT, race, politics, 
because there's no foundation. They make it up as they go. It constantly changes. It fits whatever narrative they want it to be. January 6th is an insurrection, but the BLM riots terrorized America, burning down cities, killing people. Oh, those are peaceful protests. Violence is their threat. They're intolerant in the name of tolerance. They believe what they want to believe, how they want to believe it, when they want to believe it, when it's convenient for them and their narrative. And yet, if you don't agree with that, they're going to be violent against you. Think about this, okay? Everybody likes to look on the outside, you know, whether it's be LGBT instead of parents. Trans is appearance. If you're a race, it's appearance. If you're white, it's appearance. If you're a drag show queen, it's appearance. Now, you might have some underlining things, but a lot of things are based on appearance, maybe your mind, belief system, and stuff like that. But where does it all come from? Where does it all originate? Well, I've been alluding to it the last couple of podcasts. It comes from the heart. What's on the heart is what comes out. And if you want to get down to the basics of it, what's on the heart isn't very good. What's on the heart might need some sort of guidance, some sort of something written down that we can follow. Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. I'm pissed off at somebody, but yeah, I'm not going to kill them. I might do other things, but I'm not going to kill them because the Ten Commandments says not to, plus the laws. But again, laws are becoming willy-nilly now because you can walk through New York City and you might be assaulted and then you might be the criminal charged with Defending yourself. But again, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not care. Giving alms, charity, tithing, giving to others who are in need. Core tenant of a lot of faiths. But what's the one thing that can change our heart? Here's Billy Graham. In other words, your heart is the thing God looks at. He doesn't look at the color of your skin. He doesn't look at your bank account. He doesn't look at your social standing. He looks upon your heart. And the question I want to ask tonight is this, is your heart right? Now, the heart in the Bible has come to stand for the center of the moral, spiritual, and intellectual life of a man. And the Bible teaches that in the sight of God, our hearts are sinful. The Bible says in Proverbs 6:18, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus again said, Far from within, out of the heart of man proceed all these evil things in the world. And the Bible teaches that God knows the heart. Shall not God search this out, for he searches the heart? I, the Lord, search the heart, said Jeremiah. And the question is not race or skin color. The question tonight is, can a man's heart be permanently changed? Can you change your heart? That's the big question. And that's the thing Jeremiah was asking. Can the leopard change his spot? Can the Ethiopian change his skin? And the answer obviously is no. But we can change the heart. God can change Can a white person change his or her skin? No. Can a black person change his or her skin? No. 
Can a person's heart change their view towards that other person and do away with racism? Yes. Reminds me of the story of Red Barber. I played it before on the show when Jackie Robinson, the Dodgers, first black player to play Major League Baseball. It's a brilliant, I don't say brilliant, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing story to listen to Red Barber because Martin Luther King Jr. in his I Have a Dream speech, which I'm going to play a portion of it in a minute, talks about Mississippi, specifically Mississippi and then Alabama, but specifically Mississippi calls out Mississippi and the racism that takes place in Mississippi. Again, back in 1963 when he said his speech. Mississippi, 1963, extremely racist to the point where Martin Luther King Jr. calls them out. If you don't realize that Martin Luther King Jr. had his speech written, but he pretty much went off the cuff and was freewheeling it. Really didn't stick much to the script. So he was talking about what he was believing. So he believed Mississippi and, of course, Alabama racism. So think about this. That's 1963, 1940s-ish, somewhere in there. You have Jackie Robinson going to join the Dodgers. Red Barber is their play-by-play announcer. Red Barber is from Mississippi. Red Barber is told that Jackie Robinson is going to play baseball for the Dodgers. Red Barber is from Mississippi. Red Barber, it's probably safe to assume or deduct reasonably, grew up with some racist views some racist ideology. He had a choice to make. He goes home, talks to his wife. Says Jackie Robinson, black player is going to play. I don't think I can do this anymore. His wife's like, no, let's have a drink. Think about it. And then Red Barber eventually decided, I'm going to do my job. And then Red Barber decided that he was going to do his job the right way. He wasn't going to use his job as a platform of hate or evil. He was going to report. Just report what happens, as he's always done. So a guy growing up in 1930s, 1940s, Mississippi. Martin Luther King calls Mississippi kind of like the heart of racism in 1963. Imagine what it was like 20 years earlier. Red Barber, a white guy, realizes that's just by chance we are born with the color of skin that we have, decides he's going to report and do it the right way, and then let Jackie Robinson tell his story through the play and the character of Jackie Robinson. So that's how that evolved. So yes, God looks on the heart. Red Barber's heart changed. Did he have faith? Possibly. Did that faith help change him? Possibly. But God doesn't look at the color of our skin. He looks at the heart. Is your heart right? Heart is the center of moral, spiritual, and intellectual center. It's the, it's the center of man. Morally, spiritually, intellectually, ethically. So again, as the heart is, so is the person. Out of the heart, man perceives the evils of the world. Man commits the evils of the world. God knows the heart. Can uh, Can a man's heart be changed? Absolutely. God can change it if you allow him to. 
If you want that change, if you want that hate to go away, if you want that anger to go away, if you want that forgiveness and restoration to enter, it can. So this leads me to believe that maybe we don't need this political crap that's going on because it's not going to solve anything. Maybe we need a revival in this country, a spiritual revival. Maybe we need to focus on what God wants and not what self wants. Take a look at all those religions that we looked at. There's all a core tenet of beliefs. You may or may not agree with them, but there's a core tenet of belief and a lot of the underlining things tend to do with good. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Almsgiving, fasting, prayer, a lot of prayer. A belief in God, a belief in something other than myself. If you talk to true believers, people that really do follow the tenets of the faith that they believe in, it's about serving something else, not themselves. Now you've got those radicalized believers and it all changes. But the true basic beliefs is you're doing something for a higher power, a deity, and you're trying to serve that, possibly for something in the afterlife. But when it comes to all this other stuff, politics, especially politicians, Capitol Hill, it's all about self. They're the gods. They're the ones that tell us what we can do. They're the ones that make us. We can't question them. And that's what's gotten to. So the focus on self has really just gotten us nowhere except maybe a bit closer to hell. Maybe a focus on God can affect the change that we need in our society today. One of the things that I read recently, and I thought it was pretty surprising, going back to the race issue, is California, I don't think it's passed yet, but California wants to institute what they're calling an ebony alert, a system that would inform people of missing black children and young women, similar to the Amber Alert. If you don't know what the Amber Alert is, well, the Amber Alert is a system where if somebody goes missing, it beeps your phone, right? And then you're supposed to be on the lookout for a missing person. It stems from a case, Amber Renee Hagerman, nine-year-old girl in Texas, was, adopt, uh, um, was uh, abducted while riding her bike and then eventually killed, murdered. A witness called 911, saw the abduction, but there was no real system of notification. So that's the Amber Alert. So anytime a child or somebody goes missing, the Amber Alert is issued. Then that evolved into the Silver Alert. And the Silver Alert became an elderly person, be on the lookout for an elderly person. So the Amber Alert was basically started off as a missing person, but then it became that of a elderly person with a Silver Alert because the Amber Alert stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. Someone goes missing, we send out an Amber Alert. Well, now the Silver Alert was for old people, a little bit more specific. Now a guy, Stephen Bradford, wants to, he's a politician of Gardena, California, wants to have an Ebony Alert for black people. The bill would allow law enforcement agencies to authorize the issuance of an ebony alert in cases in which they believe the alert would help in their investigation to a missing person. Is that the same thing as an amber alert? The legislation allows for alerts to be sent in the case of missing persons involving black youths 
or young black women ages 12 to 25. And then it goes on from there. The Ebony Alert bill states that law enforcement agencies could request the California Highway Patrol send out an alert in the appropriate geographical area in cases in which black youths are reported missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances. So again, apparently this guy feels the need that we need to have an Amber Alert specifically for black people. We have to have an Amber Alert specifically for silver people, which is the elderly. Okay. But again, if we have maybe a belief system, maybe a religious belief system where all people are created equal by a creator that created people equally, a belief system in maybe something that's higher than us, then maybe we would value people the same. And a missing person would be a missing person regardless of skin color, regardless of age. Now, I understand there's specific needs. Don't get me wrong. It's not a complete bash of the system. But again, it just goes towards more of this racial ideology. Well, we've got white, a, a missing person that has now become perceived white missing persons alert. Now we need an ebony one. I didn't realize this, but they had a, they have a, like a feather alert now that just took place in California. What would your guess be if I said feather alert? It's a system designed to help the state find indigenous people who have gone missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances. The feather alert will work similarly to the amber alert, which is activated for child abductions. The feather alert system is supposed to alert the public when a person is missing under mysterious circumstances. Much like the, well, in fact it is, because it's run through the same system as the Amber Alert and the Silver Alert. But again, we have to have a designation for indigenous people. The system will be triggered when the person is indigenous, whatever that means. Indigenous woman, indigenous person goes missing. The investigating law enforcement agency has utilized available local and tribal resources. Law enforcement agency determines the person has gone missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances, and so on. Maybe in danger. The alert will be activated at the request of law enforcement agencies or tribal authority who will determine if the criteria has been met for activation. This law was created in an effort to reduce violent crimes against Native Americans, which apparently are 9% or can include up to 9% of murders in California which are done or committed against indigenous women that go unsolved. So 9% of unsolved murders in California are committed on indigenous women and they go unsolved. So again, you got Amber alert, you've got an ebony alert, you got a feather alert, you've got a silver alert. Well, what about maybe Hispanic people? Hispanic people comprise, I believe, the most ethnic group of people in the state of California. Is there something for that? What are you going to call that? I mean, to me, if you really think about it, the feather alert reminds me of Indians, not indigenous people, because indigenous people could be what used to be called Eskimos. We can't call them Eskimos anymore up in Alaska. I don't really see them having feathers. I don't think there are any birds in the Arctic that I'm aware of with feathers. Or what about Leif Erikson? From Norway, he came to Greenland 500 years before 
Christopher Columbus was even born. So how do we know that maybe some Northern European people weren't here? It goes on and on. So why do we have to have different alerts based on people's color of skin? Do we start having now alerts based on people's religion, their ideology? Is there going to be a trans alert, an LGBTQ alert? Where do we draw the line? See, if we truly cared for people and valued each other, and we looked at each other as equal, then we wouldn't need race-based alert systems. So what do we do? It goes back to color of skin. We heard Billy Graham talk about God looks on the heart, not the color of skin. Remember uh, Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream speech, August 28th, 1963, 60-ish years ago. In fact, it will be. August of 2023 will be the 60th anniversary of Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech. Here's what he had to say. Because I have a dream. That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Interposition and nullification. Those are some educated words. This guy knew what he was talking about. He got to his position because of who he was. He had a dream. 60 years ago, people would be judged not on the color of skin, but content of character. 60 years later, it's all about color of skin. You get promoted based on color of skin. You get praised. You break glass ceilings based on color of skin. Everything today has to do with color of skin and not content of character. In fact, content of character doesn't matter anymore. As long as you are the right race, the right identification, the right whatever, as long as it's right in the eyes of those then that's okay. And if you have a certain skin color, that's even better. So content of character no longer exists. Just look at Capitol Hill. I mean, everything MLK said about the uh, Alabama governor can be directed to those in Congress in D.C. They are the ones now, lips dripping with interposition and nullification. Politicians remain the root cause of many issues in our country today. And they do this with intent and purpose because of their lust for power, lust for greed. They believe they're gods and they're above us all. They've got God complex. And so that's what they're going to do. What they say matters. What they say is the only thing that matters. Nothing else. Do what they say. We saw in the pandemic, all these lockdowns that were violated by the very politicians 
that said we needed it for health and safety. It's for you, not for me. They've got the God complex. So as we look back at all this, 60 years later, sure, there's a little bit more, well, the laws have caught up a little bit more with race-based ideology. People can usually go, or by law, they're allowed to go and eat any place they want, drink of any fountain they want, drink any beer they want. But we also have the right under the law to not drink a certain beer if you don't want to because of how they conduct themselves when they're advertising campaigns. But it goes back to the heart, like we've been talking about this whole thing. Martin Luther King Jr., God. Or I should say Billy Graham talking about God looking at the heart, not the color of skin. Martin Luther King Jr. wants men to be based or judged on the content of character, not on the color of skin. Content of character goes back to the heart. The content of your character is what's in your heart that then comes out. You might not like the way things are, but how do you go about pursuing and maybe changing things? See, there's a lot of people that believe in theology, uh, religion, and that religion is a peaceful thing. You don't go out and you don't protest in the streets. You don't burn down other people's businesses. You don't destroy other people's property like BLM rights did. That's not in the tenets of faith of these religions. They're peaceful. But yet, if you don't have a religion or the religion is of self, narcissism, I'm the God, and you do as I say, then you have no problem destroying. You have no problem tearing down. You have no problem going after other people in a violent manner. You have no problem like we've played many times on the podcast of politicians talking about violence, burning down the White House, Johnny Depp says, or blowing up the White House, like Madonna says, or throwing a punch as Nancy Pelosi and others. Kamala Harris laughing about getting in an elevator with Mike Pence and knowing someone not coming out alive. If you look at the heart, their heart is pretty evil. Their heart has no content of character. And yet those are the people that are judging people based on the color of skin. Trans people. See, that's the other thing too. If you are a person of religious faith, you have a compassion. Now, I'm not talking about the extreme radicals. I'm talking about the honest religions. You have a compassion for people, an understanding for people. You might not agree with it. When was the last time you saw a Christian shoot up a trans something. Well, you probably think back to the, the nightclub shooting in Florida, right? Wasn't that a, a gay nightclub that got shot up? Well, who was the person? You have to condemn that. But if you want to play politics, the last four major shootings have come from non-binary trans type people. So again, it's evil in the heart. And you don't blame the trans people for the shooting. You blame the individual. You don't blame the Christians for the shooting. They are the victims. You blame the person that does the shooting. So again, it goes to the heart. And if you have a content of character in your heart, you will also judge things accordingly. Yeah, if you're 21, you want to be trans, go knock yourself out. If you want to pray, uh, pray upon young people, now you might have a problem. If you want to force young people into puberty blockers and uh, gen uh, genital mutilations, now you've got a problem. In fact, I think America at one point 
stood up against genital mutilations that were going on in Africa. And now we allow it here. That has come over to here. Makes you wonder. The things that we fought for in this world in the course of history, we are now doing. No different. Or our political leaders from Xi, Putin, Maduro, in Venezuela, Castro in Cuba, and other regimes. No different. Content of character, the heart. We need to go back to the tenets of some of these faiths or maybe utilize them, even if you don't want to believe. Believe that maybe we're doing something for a higher power. Believe that we're doing something for other people. Because right now, the way it is, we do things for ourselves. And if we don't get our way, we're going to pitch a fit. We're going to bitch about it. Cause violence. We're going to be angry about it. We're going to storm Capitol buildings. That's because we don't have a faith system. We don't have anything written down. Politics, race, LGBT, trans, those are the type of things that don't have an ideology. They have an ideology, but they don't have an ideology that's written down. So again, they're like the jellyfish. Bobbing on the ebb and flow of the Twitter tide, taking them wherever and down whatever rabbit hole that might take them. Got to be careful. I think it's time to go back to letting God change our hearts. And if God can change our hearts, our heart then changes our content of character. Our content of character then becomes more positive, more understanding, more polite, and we can make better change for our nation, for our communities, for our future generations. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo, and all of our videos will pop up, connects to our Rumble page. You can subscribe and never miss an episode. There's also an orange banner across the page that takes you to our SoundCloud account or audio page so you can listen to the audio version if you're sitting in your cubicle at work or if you want to download it and take it with you on the go. We also have a Rumble page, like I mentioned, where you can go strictly to Rumble and watch videos. Also, RadioWarp.com has a Listen Live link so you can listen to some music 24-7, some other podcasts as well. Um, we can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts, etc. Just internet search us, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. And also there's the option of, hey, Siri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and our show pops up. So we're easy to get a hold of. If you want to email the show, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. So we're pretty easy to find if you want to reach out and find us. And then if you want to know a little bit more about me, my personal Instagram page is Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, Edom Rocks, the name on the jersey. So again, content of character over color of skin. We need to look at the content of people's character and judge them accordingly and not the color of their skin. Two Steps Ed Podcast, take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.